Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, coming to you from the cozy confines of Airwave Recording Studio in Birmingham, Alabama, with engineer, producer, and longtime bud Mark Phillips at the controls. Thanks to the internet, we're talking Crimson Tide worldwide, and we're glad you just hit that play button so you can take a listen while you start thinking about getting your game day gear ready. The various polls are out, and Bama's right up there in all of them where we belong, of course. But no matter where the prognosticators predict we'll finish, we're the only team this year with a chance to win back-to-back national championships. So let's just go ahead and say it's great to be from Alabama. I think most of us have always loved the spectacle of college football. The crowds, the colors, the pageantry, the panorama, the absolute visual feast that occurs in great settings like Bryant-Denny Stadium. College football has an aesthetic that's all its own. You know, even when the weather doesn't cooperate, it's still a stunning sight. Grantland Rice's famous column from way back about the four horsemen of the apocalypse began with outlined against a blue-gray October sky in describing a game played under overcast skies. So it doesn't take a bright, sunshiny day to see clearly that college football's a wonderful world of color. But speaking of South Bend, and I rarely do, I gotta say, after what I saw in the paper the other day about Notre Dame's new threads, one of the many things that's really great about being from Alabama is the uniform. Simple lines, classic design, the ageless, timeless beauty of crimson, the richest, the most regal, the most royal of all the reds. You may like what Nike's done to Oregon, that's okay. But aren't you glad we don't look like we buy our uniforms at a spray paint t-shirt shop in Panama City? Come on, man! You might expect that kind of thing from Timothy Leary Tech, but Notre Dame? What in the wide world of sports were they thinking? Let me put it this way. If Notre Dame was playing Auburn and somebody was forcing me to pull for anything other than mutual assured destruction and Notre Dame was wearing what I saw in the paper, I'd pull for, well, uh, uh, forget it. I just can't say it. You know you're not surprised when Maryland comes out looking like maybe they lost a bet or when Boise and Georgia come out wearing Halloween costumes, but Notre Dame? Uh, And speaking of different uniforms, and on a brighter note, uh, the Tuscaloosa News had a great series of articles on Coach Saban's coaching tree, guys that have coached under him and gone on to careers with various college and NFL teams. Uh, Dozens mentioned in that article, and at least five are currently head coaches somewhere else. So the fact that Saban protégés are being hired all over is just one more indicator that we're really awfully fortunate to have yet another head coach whose drive and dedication and work ethic and just plain old coaching talent and skill has produced another great era of Alabama football. Some fans of other teams go a lifetime and never experience anything that resembles the success we get to enjoy. I've gotten to watch Coach Bryant, Coach Stallings, Coach Saban in my lifetime take his places that precious few fans of other teams ever see. Did I mention it's great to be from Alabama? Uh, Tell you what, it's also great to be from Town Creek, Alabama. Uh, That's where Hazelwood High School is located, or at least it used to be. And if you following if you followed Bama football for a while, you know that in spite of the fact that Town Creek's a very small place in North Alabama, that high school produced uh, more good players than a lot of places with a much larger population and student body. It's also home to one of the great families in Alabama football history. Uh, the Goods have sent four of their sons to Tuscaloosa to play football, and I'm glad to say one of those guys has dropped by to visit us today. Chris Goods in the house. 
How you doing, man? Doing good, Steve. How are you doing today? I I'm love s- I love the intro you just did. <laughs> love it. Love it. I got a lot of things to say about what you said. Look, say it look, also. Look, look out now. Look out. <laughs> no, but, good things. Good things. There you go. There you go. Well, it's, uh, I'm just fired up about the season. You know, I know that the team's working hard. That's that's one of those things I think about, you know, this time of year. Man, those guys have those guys have gone through camp, working their brains out. Now, and you played uh, two years at Alabama, 86 and 87. Then you spent seven years – in the National Football League with the Indianapolis Colts. What's it like getting through fall camp heading into that first game? I, I tell you, they're going through something that's real hard right now because in order for you to get there, you got to have a lot of off-season workout that you're doing from the lifting and the running. And then once once you get there to the fall camp to get before the season starts, you know, you, you go on that tour days, and then you you know uh-huh. you're out in the morning, and then you're going back. You, you you're eating, and then you t- you get in the rest. By the time you lay down, it's like okay, you're gonna get an hour and a half before it start up again. It seems like 15 minutes, and then once you get up, your body's still sore, and then you have to get up and go in there and start practice over again. You'll go for another two and three hours, then you have to go to training room. Then by the time you look at film, you go in and rest, and then you go down. You go in curfew. And you're laying down to go to sleep. Next thing you know, the alarm is going off at five or six in the morning. It's like, okay, where did the time go? It seems like it was an hour or so right before I went to sleep. So it's it's very hard, very hard on the on the guys. But if they did the off season uh, training and workout, you know, they, they're they're pretty good. You know, they're on a real real good coach, Coach Saban. So I'm sure he did a lot of things to prepare them for the season anyway. Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's a that's a great view of it. Uh, as you went through high school, you know, being a part of a great tradition uh, at Hazelwood. Uh, what were your aspirations about playing college ball, and how did it play out that you managed to wind up at Alabama? Well, you know, initially, you know, in high school, so we did, I didn't have that many, you know, guys coming out of my high school going into D1 schools. We had a couple of guys going to Division three, but no large Division one school. And so my senior year, you know, well, going, really going for my 10th grade year and 11th grade year, you know, we – as players, most of us, everybody that started, you know, from the 10th and 11th grade, and we had 12th graders. We had most guys on the team that that's, they were starting. We had 10th and 11th graders. So by the time I got in 12th grade, we had a lot of guys that played, you know, from the 10th grade, you know, from the 10th to the 11th. So we got that that year, you know, w- you know, my, in my team, I was the only skill guy, to be honest. And the rest of the guys, all 10th and 11th grades, was my brother Keir and a couple more guys. And so that year we won the state championship, and so we had a lot of coaches coming to the school really looking at it, started looking at us a lot, you know. And I got recruited, as a matter of fact, one of the teams I was about to go to was Auburn. They had committed and said they wanted to sign me, then the day of signing they backed off. And I ended up, you know, going to the University of North Alabama where I played running back. So the following year they came in and wanted to recruit my brother Kerry, and so Kerry pretty much told us, well, you know, you all talked to my brother Chris about signing him. You didn't, so I'm not coming there. And so that happened. They, you know, another year after that, my P, my brother Pierre did that, and then my brother Antonio Langham, when he did the same thing. So everybody just followed suit. Said, well, you all came in, had opportunity, you know, to go ahead and sign him, and you didn't. So we did not. We don't want to come there either. So when I, while I was at the University of North Alabama, I played running back there, and I started some games. And my brother Kerry went a year after me because everyone always think he's older but I, and I I let him think that and I always tell him so, yeah you're older than me <laughs> so you know he got there to Alabama and had uh, SEC I think he had won SEC uh, 
freshman, I think freshman a year that year uh, at running. That would have been 83. Yeah, yeah. In 83. So I, uh, I transferred there. So I'm thinking to myself, I said, you know what? I was in 12th grade, started running back. Kerry played behind me. Why should I go in and try to compete against someone that won freshman in, in, in 83 when I can know I can play defense back? So that's why I moved. To, I moved and when I got there, I moved straight to defense back. You must have made good grades in school. That's a good mind you got there. Yeah, I, I you know, I didn't want to compete against because I saw I saw what he did at running back, and I know I done well at the University of North Alabama also at running back, but I just just could not do it. But then you got to realize too, my dad was a principal, and my mom's a teacher. Oh, oh yeah, yeah uh huh. That's why y'all act, act like it's some count. Now, it's, and speaking of guys that played up there, I know Kerry played there. You played at Hazelwood. Pierre uh, wore number two at Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clyde, and, and by the way. Um, oh, I, I think many of us uh, have uh, followed uh, Clyde's journey the last year or so, and I know your mom and dad have been on my mind. I met them uh, at the 1986 Mississippi State game, managed to sit behind them. They're wonderful people. They were so gracious, uh, willing to talk and um, share their time uh, when I was asking them a ton of questions and just made a great impression on me. They're super people, and uh, I just want you to know that I've been thinking about all you guys these last few months. I know it's been tough losing a brother, and uh, and I know a lot of our listeners uh, want to share those sentiments with you. Uh, but I know uh, some of the other guys you play with, uh, Montoya Madden uh, wound up at Alabama. Uh, yes. Chris Hood wound up at Alabama. Uh, like we were saying, Antonio Langham. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what, there was there had to be one or two others. Uh, had Steve Harris That's there. right, yeah. Um, we had a couple other guys that, you know, that walked on there at Alabama that also played at Hazelwood, but, you know, People always ask, you know, trying to find out the dynamics of what Antonio is. That well, is it your brother, your cousin? And I always tell him, so well, my mom and his mom are sisters, and we took Antonio into our household in the third grade, and so that's where he lived ever since, all the way up to the twelfth grade. And I always joke him about if he never was in our household, he would never get recruited by any team. <laughs> <laughs> And so you ought to think that a whole family, me, my mom and dad, he just laugh about it always. <laughs> and, and you guys wound up both having great NFL careers because he, he played several years too. I know he was at uh, Cleveland for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think, what, San Francisco? Yeah, he went from Cleveland and then when Cleveland uh, moved to Baltimore, he was there and then San Francisco and then I think uh, New England. Yeah, was yeah. his last season. I, you were there during an interesting time. Um, uh, the 86 season, Ray Perkins was still there, and then he left for Tampa Bay. Um, then Bill Curry came in in 87. What was it like? I know you you were playing corner. What was it like as far as making that adjustment with a coach from a player's standpoint, you know, from an assignment standpoint, how you go through practices, what they expect of you, and your – uh, you know responsibilities and, and techniques, those kind of things. What what was what were the main differences between those two regimes while you were there? Well, you you know when I when I came there, it was only Perkins. So when the year when I left, I left the same year that Perkins left. So oh, after that, then that's when Curry when he when he came when he came in. Now, for as my adjustments that I had to make was from running back to defensive back. So when I got there, I was like, well, you know. You know, I know I have the size and the speed, and now I got to go to defensive back, and I know I can run. So the covering part, if I get beat, I think I can catch up with everyone. So, you know, that was the only adjustment I really really had to have. But, you know, when I got to Alabama, you know, I walked on. So when I walked on, I had to earn the scholarship. Yeah. So, that you know, it came that following. So when I got there the first year in the spring and in the fall, you know, I couldn't play. All I had to do was practice. And then the following year in the spring is when I did real good, and I won, you know, the defensive back. 
you know, during the spring practice and I was awarded a scholarship because of what I'd done in the spring. So which that made me happy and my parents. So, you know, from that, you know, with me playing, you know, those, those two years and going into my senior year, you know, I had that one year uh, after spring practice had tore my ankle up and I popped all three ligaments apart. Oh my goodness. And I, yeah. And then my leg was swollen from my ankle all the way up and I could see the bottom of my foot. When I went to the doctor, they turned it upside down to see the bottom of it. And the doctor told me you'll never play football again. And when he said that, I was like, wow. I said, you know, I know it hurts, but it don't feel, it don't feel that bad. So when I did, when I did, when he did that, told me that two weeks later, you know, we were out for the summer and I went home and, you know, was still treating it and doing everything and putting the cask on and walking around on it. And before I came back before we start summer camp, I had a cousin of mine that was playing as a matter of fact in, uh, in Tennessee up in Austin P. So we were playing out in the streets and I had a little boot cask on. I was raising him in the 40 and I beat him in the 40. So he was laughing. He said, you sure you had surgery? So when I came back, they kept looking and they said, what have you been doing? He said, because this doesn't look like a month worth of surgery. It looks like it's about six months. And so the healing process worked well and, and uh, played that year and I'm getting drafted, in which it was amazing. <laughs> well, it was just that, that famous good healing power and speed. And speaking of that famous, uh, those famous goods, uh, one of the stories your dad shared with me that day, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun and he seemed to take a lot of pleasure in, in telling it to me, is that he ran track, I believe you told me, at Alabama State years ago. And he uh, he was in school about the same time as Bob Hayes, who later starred with the uh, Dallas Cowboys for a number of years, was in school at Florida A&M down in Tallahassee. And your dad, uh, I believe his name's Clyde, too, yes, uh, was sharing with me that the only race he lost when he was in college was against Bob Hayes. I tell you, we, I, we've heard that story since as long as I can remember from the first grade and up. You know, the whole time when, when you're young, you hear, you know, you kind of believe it in the beginning. But then as you get older and junior high and high school, it's like, oh, yeah, he's just still telling the same story. So I just laugh and joke about it always, you know, about, you know, with him almost beating Bob Hayes and slipping, you know, slipping in the blocks is the only reason he lost. So I was uh, probably my second, I think it was my second or third year in the NFL. And I had a friend of mine that um, that was from Birmingham and I, and he and I was talking and his dad was around. He said, man, my dad played football for your dad and ran track at Alabama state. And I was like, Oh yeah. So we were talking. He said, I know your dad real well. And I said, yeah, your son told me you played uh, football and ran track. He said, yes. I said, well, I'm going to ask you something. I said, my dad, told me he ran track and he ran against Bob Hayes. And the guy was like, oh, oh, man, hold on. Let me tell you that story. <laughs> I said, please tell me that because I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> he said, yes, he's mad. Yeah, yeah, what really happened? Yeah, he said, uh, your dad, he's a lying down, you know, getting ready to race. He said, your dad slipped in the race. He said, you know, he's a Bob Hayes jumped out on him. He said, believe it or not, he only beat your dad by a step or two. Mm. And I said, well, did he catch up with him or he just jumped out real fast because he was scared? He was like, no. He said, he, he said, I think if they had a race head to head, he hadn't slipped. He said, he might have beat him. I said, well, you know what? That's something we'll never know now. <laughs> <laughs> and I always joke my dad about it. He said, well, son, I've been telling you that all my life. He said, you never believe me? I said, I believe it now. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You know, when Bob Hayes came into the league in 1965, in fact, I saw him play in his first year with the Cowboys in an exhibition game at Legion Field against the Minnesota Vikings, sat on the top row of the upper deck of Legion Field. 
Um, it was a, a great experience. Went with my dad. Uh, he was world a world class sprinter, and and everybody in the NFL was talking about that speed. So, you know, if if he was even hanging with him, and it yeah. sounds like he certainly did. That's that's a that's a heck of a thing, and it certainly you know translated to to all his boys because uh, you were all known for that kind of thing. Uh, what I'm wondering too, um, Chris is. Uh, as you know, with the experience and the background you've got as a professional uh, NFL cornerback, somebody that's that's played at the highest level, when you sit back now, and, and I know you still follow the team, uh, what 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 impresses you the most about the way? And of course, Saban, Coach Saban uh, coaches the secondary personally. What's the most impressive thing about what you see going on with the way he runs that program? Well, I, I look at it. You know, he's. They, they, the guys are well taught and they're very organized down there. You know, and I, I, I look at it from the standpoint from when I was playing pro football and some of the guys I know that are still playing right now, even the guys that I know or coaches that are in the NFL, and they speak very highly of what he does on how he teaches the guy correct and real good techniques. And that's why you find a lot of guys from Alabama since he's been, going, been there going in the first and second round. And you got to realize there is a lot of guys, especially defensive backs, that are going in the first round that's been taught under Coach Saban. And that's why I, I look at it and say to myself always, man, what I wouldn't do during the time to be a first-round pick playing under him, especially with my size and speed at the Yeah, time. I might ask you for a loan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because, he, you know, he just does, he does a great job, you know. And I think he teaches them every technique that there is out there. And there's a lot of things that you can do as a defensive back that can be taught. And, you know, it's got to be taught the right way. And that's what he's doing down there. Yeah, I, well, I know you tailgate not too far from where my tribe tailgates. Uh, pass you guys on the way to the stadium sometimes. Are you in touch with any of the of the staff or the players that are on the team currently, or do you have any kind of interaction? I, I'm not in touch with any of them down there. You know, the only thing is, you know, if they invite us down to some type of event or something like that, and you know, my brother Antonio Langham, you know, he knows Coach Saban very well because Coach Saban taught was That's was right. his defensive back coach. In the NFL, so he kind of goes down every once in a while just to look at practice. And I told Tony, uh, as a matter of fact, two weeks ago, he and I was talking because we had a charity event in Dothan that we did for my brother Clyde. That the next time he go down there, that I, I want to go and meet him because I never met him the whole time he's been there. And he looked at me, and he thought to himself, he's like, "You serious? You never met him?" I said, "I never met him." I'll be darned. <laughs> well, the '86 team at Alabama you played on was pretty good. Uh, we had some great games. In fact, I mentioned that Mississippi State game in Starkville. I know that uh, Bobby Humphrey actually ran for 284 yards that day. And we're recruiting um, one of his sons again, uh, Maldricus. And I can say that because I'm not an under NCAA <laughs> control. <laughs> Thank goodness. Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, but uh, uh, there were a lot of good games that year. What what stands out in your memory as a player? You know, what? What stands out about that year, maybe a, a, a particular game or the personalities, the guys you played with? I think the, the, the one game that really stands out for me is I think it was our first game we were in New York, New Jersey, New Jersey, and we played in the, I think it was the kickoff class against, against Ohio, Ohio State. State. I was actually at that game. And the thing that stands out on that game is, you know, because I was doing a lot of uh, special teams on that game and coming in on, you know, going back and forth on defense. And then uh, – Matter of fact, right in the end, you know, when Ohio State was driving down, I had Chris Carter and had, uh, um, I think they had four four receivers in, and we had uh, 
a linebacker, one of our well-known linebackers trying to cover Chris Carter in that game for two plays in a row. We you got know, pass interference, which was Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas. <laughs> and I, and I and kept it, messing with Derek. It's it, like, hey, don't hold him. You can run with him. <laughs> and so, you know, after I, I think after he did that twice, you know, the coach looked at him as Chris, you got to go in and cover him. And so, you know, you know, for one play, I think they threw it to him. And, you know, we defended the ball. And then the last play of the game, me and a couple of defense back, we knocked the ball down. So that was, it was really, real, real, very, very exciting to me. Yeah, and it, uh, I believe the score of that game was 16-10, to 10, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, and those plays occurred late in the game, yeah. and I believe – Last De- drive. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and Derek was a freshman. He was a freshman. True freshman. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And yeah, when you're talking about a true freshman that are running four fours. Yeah, trying to check Chris Carter. Yes. <laughs> who's a Hall of Fame NFL yes, wide receiver. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, what are you doing these days? I know you're hanging around Birmingham and you got some business uh, things going on. What's up with you? Well, right now what I'm doing, uh, go out and uh, buy property properties from people that are in default or about to lose their properties. Um, and we buy anything from 100000 100, all the way up to... 14 million so you know most people you know and they they laid on the payments you know and i've you know just had a meeting today with a lady that had four listings of someone that was you know trying to do a short sale she's about to lose her property and we talked to them about it and uh and um so we could try to purchase property from it from them and resell it what do you think um you know your experience as a professional seven years uh, in a in a in a business, the NFL, which is a business, is extremely competitive. How how it helps you carry that over into the business you're doing now? Well, it, it's more of dedication and, and and doing things that you tell somebody you're gonna do. You know, you tell someone you're gonna be somewhere at a certain time, do it. You know, because in NFL and in college, especially in Coach Saban's watch, Mm-mm. if you're supposed to be there at one o'clock, don't get there at one on one. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing in NFL. Now, if you're supposed to be at 1 o'clock in NFL, you get one-on-one, all right, you get a five or $10,000 fine. So, you know, a lot of that stays in your mind about being on time and, and tell, you know, when you tell someone you're going to do it, go ahead and do that. And so and that, that carries over with a lot of guys, you know, that play professional sports. And that's why you find a lot of the major companies, they want someone that was in that arena, in a sports arena, because they know how they are for its dedication to doing the things they're supposed to do. Yeah. What well, did you – after seven years in the NFL, playing playing several years in college, uh, how'd you come out physically? How you doing? You got your knees and your back and your ankles that uh, you can still use? I, I tell you, I, I was really, really blessed. I um, the only major injury I had in college when I tore, which was a which was a, a probably career ending injury, and you know, unfortunately, thank to God it, that didn't happen. That on those, you know, my ligaments on all of them that I, I popped apart. They wasn't just tore; they were popped apart that healed and, and and by the grace of God I, I, I you know I was able to keep playing and then in the NFL there were just a lot of minor things I had you know and the only major thing I had was my last year was playing the Dallas Cowboys when I get hit on the crown of the head and I fell flat on my face and I could not move for 15 minutes mm. and I could talk and do everything else but you know once they did the x-ray everything was okay but you know that, that kind of made me sit back after that season and say to myself you know you know, this could happen again, and you may not get up, Chris, and walk away from it. So then, after that, and that was my seventh season. I, then, after that, you know, I said, well, you know what? If I play, I really need to get paid for it. And so, you know, I had teams talking to me, but I didn't think the money was enough, what they want to give me. And so I said, hey, that's it for me. Well, you got five years in, so you're vested in the NFL. Yeah, well, three years. When three. You get, when you get three years in is when you really – well, it's the third year going to your second game is when you get vested. I got you. Okay, and so at that point, yeah, you gotta, 
you got to make some serious decisions and weigh in the rest of your life and your health because there's a lot of those guys walking around uh, that are basically functionally crippled now. Yes, I, I, I've seen guys that's in their 40s, uh, you know, the same age I am. You know, went to, I was in California for a little thing they do through the NFL, through the workman's comp. And, and you know, I would go in and, and they would look at me and ask me what was going on with what's wrong. And the guys and one of the, the doctors in the back, you know, he'd look at my chart, look at the age. He said, I just had a guy that was four years younger than you. He said, you look like you're 10 years younger than him. Hmm. I said, well, that's just working out, taking care of myself, and, you know, being from Town Creek also. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Must be some good water so, uh, up there. Yeah, yeah, down yeah. in the creek. <laughs> in the water and in the jeans. Well, I tell you what, we got a big football game coming up here in a few days. Big, very big. You know, they, I, and I think this, you know, because we got, you know, some young players on the team, and I think between this game and the next two is really going to determine on what our season looks like. Yeah, because we've got Arkansas in the third week. Yes. There. Yes. And and, and I think we can get through those that from those from there to then and we come out as winners, then yeah, look, we, I, I think we have a very, very good season. But you know, you got these young guys playing against Michigan and you got, you know, Quarterback Michigan now saying that he's faster than Lusane Boat. So I'm like, okay, you're so fast. He's, he's yeah. faster than Bob Hayes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> okay, here, now for just a minute here, we're going to have some fun. You get to be defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're defensive coordinator at Alabama. We're just going to have some fun with this now. Okay. Because we know who's running the show. Okay. But you're going into a game where you got, you're replacing several defensive starters now you got some athletes mm -hmm. i mean he's we've been recruiting our brains out mm -hmm. we've been in the top five uh, recruiting classes for several years now so you got athletes mm -hmm. so you're not just throwing warm bodies out there mm -hmm. uh michigan um went 11 and 2 last year uh i don't think they beat a lot of really great opponents but they do have that one that one player on offense denard robinson that quarterback that is a great athlete uh, super athlete, very dangerous, uh, especially as a runner. Uh, he's not known for uh, beating you with, with the passing game. Mm -hmm. So now both teams go into the first game of the season. You've got a whole different chemistry. Um, you've, got, you've got new people in positions. As a defensive coordinator, uh, how do you think, how do you approach this? With Denard Robson, you keep him in the box. Don't let him get outside, you know, outside – of that box, meaning you know, once he gets once he gets to the corner, because we we have good enough good enough corners where we can defend them on the pass. But I think if they contain him and keep him within that box, we'll be okay. Because if he's going sideline to sideline, fifty yards back and forth, he's not he's not gaining yards. He's just going sideline to sideline. So you know he has to go north and south in order to gain yards. So you know as long as we can keep him keep him. Parallel, he's okay. We we're okay with it, and and that's the thing with him. That's what he do. He gets out the box, and that's what he wants to do. He scramble and, and run. So, and I think, and well, I not think, I know that we can contain him, and that's what we got to do with him. I think you're exactly right. I I agree. I uh, was talking to Rich Wingo, a linebacker at Alabama, a long time ago, and when we we're talking about containment, and that's one of those words Coach Bryant used to use all the time. You don't hear coaches use that word a lot more, but but on defense, you got to be wider than the widest. Mm -hmm. now, it, like you say, let's get them running east and west, mm -hmm. but make sure they don't get outside you because when they get outside you, then you got a problem. Oh, yeah, and, and I was talking to someone about that the other day. He was talking to Nara Robinson. 
I said, you know what? If he's running sideline to sideline, he can run 40, 50 yards. I said, to him, he's ran a long ways, but what he, the only way he can he can get yards is go north and south. So if we got him going east and west, it doesn't matter. I said, well, he can do that. We could, he, he get tired of doing that the whole game. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, uh, I think we're going to go out there, and I think the one, the Coach Saban and his staff has shown a great propensity to get a team ready for a first game against a quality opponent. I mean, we – we brutalized Clemson in 08. We beat Virginia Tech in Atlanta. Uh, we've had some good success in games like this. So I tend to think we'll go out there prepared. Uh, now if we have young guys make mistakes, that's just part of it. But I, th- I think uh, I feel good about our chances out there. Chris, I want to thank you uh, for taking some time to come by and hang out with us. It's been a ton of fun. Oh, yes, my pleasure. Oh, yeah, and uh, we may have to call you again. That's fine. Some, sometime Let's do later it. on. And uh, you're going to have to talk to Kerry and Antonio Langham and some of them, some of those buddies of yours. I may have to call on them to come by and uh, share a word or two later on. Maybe you get two or three of them at the same time, uh, me, uh, Kerry, and Antonio. Uh-oh. We're going to have to have a longer show if we do that. Yeah, especially those two. <laughs> okay, now. But anyway, uh, for our listeners out there, I want to remind you to visit our Bama Talk Facebook page where you can make comments and offer feedback and let us know where you're listening from. We got an email today from a buddy of mine in Alaska wow. uh, that listened to the first podcast, uh, so we got a kick out of that. Be sure and subscribe to Bama Talk Show podcast on iTunes, and you can find us on Stitcher now, too. Also, there's a free podcast app available for your mobile device, which makes storing these precious treasures uh, very easy and automatic so you can get your gridiron groove on with the press of a button. Well, it's about time to head for the locker room, y'all. We're glad you decided to spend some time with us. We hope you'll join us again for the next episode of Bama Talk. You take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.